Good evening, everybody, and a welcome to another episode of Soshing with Suntwe. We've got a very special guest today. Um, her name is Ruth Pussy, a very, very interesting uh, lady from Zimbabwe originally who now lives in Australia. Um, for those of you who don't know, haven't been watching, and for those of you who are joining us from uh, the podcast after the event, unfortunately, you're not live with us. Um, this show is all about um, showcasing extraordinary people who do, well, actually, I stuffed that up. This is all about uh, showcasing ordinary people who do extraordinary things. So my personal view on life is that there are no extraordinary people, that everybody is pretty much got the same capabilities and same potential, but some people just make extraordinary choices. And I wanted to explore what brings people to making those choices and what sort of um, mindsets and uh, and uh, decisions are made that bring people to to living more extraordinary lives than than what we th we see every day. So I have a short little um, video that I'm going to, uh, a one minute little clip about Ruth, just to give you an idea of who we're going to be talking to. And uh, whilst we wait for the feed to populate and for, for me to share everything, take a look at this video. And if you are there, Drop a comment in the in the drop a comment there saying where you're from, where you're watching from. Tag your friends, bring whoever you want in, and uh, yeah, let's get this show on the road. Um, for those of you who also don't know, I'm Paul Teasdale. My nickname is Suntwe from the Zambezi, and uh, this is a project that I've been really enjoying exploring perspectives of all sorts of different perspectives on different topics from around the world. So I hope you enjoy. Have a look. This is Ruth. One day I was walking, I went to the school, I spoke to the principal, I said, you know what, I want to take kids to Africa. Because I knew that it will break the barriers in people's lives. So that's why I started African theatres. It's a journey. It changes them. You can never go there and come back the same. And most of the kids that I take, a lot of people say, oh, they're beyond. But they're not. The reason why kids are getting into depression is because they don't have hope. And hope is only found in helping other people. Take a child from here, take them to Africa. They are taking a walk in someone's shoes. It's a therapy, it's healing to them, and they start loving it. I know that it will change a young boy to be a good man in life. If I can make a difference in one child, it means you've saved the whole nation, the whole, the whole clan, the whole family. And this is what drives me. So, now you've got an idea of what it's all about. Let's introduce and give a warm welcome to Ruth. Welcome, Ruth. Oh, hi, Paul. How are you? Yes, good, thanks. So, for, for the people who don't realize, uh, Ruth is sitting in Australia right now at 3 a.m. in the morning. She um, <laughs> kindly uh, set an alarm to wake up to specifically join us for this thing. So, um, yeah, thank you for your dedication. Thank you for, for coming. Um, before we really get into it, just give us a bit of a background of uh, where you're from in Zim, where you grew up, and your early life in Zimbabwe, and how you ended up moving to Australia. Oh, thank you, Paul. Thank you for inviting me on this program. Um, I feel honored. I, um, well, I migrated to New Zealand before I came to Australia, so I migrated to New Zealand, I think, in 2000 or 2001, I can't remember. 
But I went there because my brother was there. So I was visiting my brother. And then when I visited, I thought they were, that time they needed teachers and I'm a teacher by profession. So I just stayed and then I started teaching in New Zealand. And then years later, I moved to, to, to Australia because my brother had moved to Australia. So I, I'm sort of a, a, a follower of a brother. So I always follow him everywhere. So yeah, so in Zimbabwe, I grew up in Arare. I went to Mabarin Gozai and I went to Afrobeach school in um in the i can't I, I it should be just central harare so yeah but i'm from originally i'm from chivu which is um uh, in around mashingo gutu gutu area so <clears throat> you know so that's how i came up to be in australia oh amazing so how long have you been there uh, I've been about in Australia. I've been here about eleven years. Okay, so a long time. Yeah, a long time. <laughs> do you like it in Australia? I do. I actually like the weather because it's similar, like back home, where the mm. summer is all, it's not it's okay, and the winter is not that cold as the UK as the UK. So yeah, I love that's the weather. True. The weather. UK, <laughs> UK winter is deadly. Yes. Not only not only is it cold, but it's cold and wet. Yes. So here the weather is similar to Zimbabwe, which is which is really great. That's awesome. So we initially touched base when you uh, introduced me to African theaters through my Facebook page. Is that correct? That's right. So so I'm quite interested. How did you come across my page in the first place? Oh, honestly, I can't, um, who told me about, I can't, I, I really cannot remember, but I knew that you do something. So I just thought, okay, let me just try. I can't remember how I came across it or whether I was on the, just going on the Facebook or what, I can't remember. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, anyway, so we made contact, it must've been about a year ago already. Yeah, there yeah, yeah. Contact. And um, so, Basically, it was about African theatres. Can you tell us the, the fundamental basics of what African theatres is and, and, and how you got started with that? Um, African theatres come, um, it come, it's actually originated from the morals of Africa. You know how in Africa we have a lot of morals and we have a lot of theatre. Most of our children are different through morals and through theatre or through dance. So um, I knew that uh, as a teacher with the teaching background, a child understands better when you do it, it in a story or in a dance rather than just telling ch children to do things. Mm. So um, <clears throat> as a teacher here and as a teacher in Zimbabwe, I saw the different things that, um, that both continents can actually benefit. And I find out that the children, most the children that are in the Western world are very much depressed and very much unhappy, even though they've got all the gadgets and everything. And I found out that um, by using morals, they can understand better and they can become happier. So I found out, I wanted to find out what difference can I make to the children as a teacher. I always, excuse me, I always want to be with the kids. So um, I I thought if I take kids from this continent to the other side of the world. They can actually see the difference in um, in people, but actually ending up knowing that people are people 
and they can actually enjoy life more without without having relying on the gadgets but just relying on humanity mm. are there specific uh children that you focus on or is it just generally any sort of one that's interested i generally focus on two on young adults that um trying to find themselves you know when you're a teenager you really don't not you're not sure where you want to, where you want to go um so mm. that's i really want to focus on or even anyone who is actually struggling in life and actually doesn't really know what to do but anyone can come on the program as long as they benefit so what kind of age group are we looking at um we are looking at between um the ages of uh, 15 to about 25 26 oh wow are right up to 26 eh yeah Oh okay cool. And yeah. are you are you currently are you currently teaching as a career at the moment? No, I no, I'm not teaching as a career. I just concentrate on this program because I found this program benefits as a teacher. When you teach a child, you want them to benefit, you want them long term. So I find this program that the child, the young adults benefit more because it's a lesson for life and it will never get away from their lives. So is this your full 100% full-time focus or do you have another focus yes. uh, for you don't you don't have another income stream or focus on something else? No, I really just generally I focus on this one. I I do I do sell a little bit of African stuff but uh, this is my main focus. Oh wow, okay. And so what um how many trips a year do you plan on doing to back home? Um I before the corona hits I was planning to do at least about two trips a year because of the funding but if I have the funding I actually want to do every second every two months because it really actually oh, wow. benefits yeah it benefits the young adults especially now a lot of we find that a lot of incidents happens with the young adults in the streets and and uh, there's a lot that goes on a uh, young youth among youth so i would really love to take as many young adults as i can okay i'm just going to before we dig deeper i just want to take an opportunity to address some comments um guys if you have any questions or any uh, thoughts or anything you want to say please drop them in the comments we are very happy to have engagement from from you viewers that's the the whole point is really to get your questions and involvement as well so please feel free don't hold back um we've got a few viewers from we've got viewers from south africa zimbabwe um first question well, first comment is from travis he's in bulawayo he says uh, it's a bit of a humor bash he says chivu was formerly known as enkeldorn famously known for having a little jail in the local tavern for rowdy patrons did you ever end up in that jail <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we know the answer that you never ended up in that jail. Yeah. Then we've got um hey Ruth so proud of you and the work you do. That's nice. Then we've got from Nicola. I love that. Something with meaning which is really taught in schools especially in this country the UK. Go Ruth big respect. That's great. Um okay so let's look at the the program a bit more in depth how long does one trip take how long does it last what's the format 
normally it takes to about three weeks um, from the moment we go and come back here. It takes about three weeks. Last time we went, we took young adults from the States, from the UK, and from here. And they met in at the airport in Zimbabwe. That was their first time meeting. But they've created a relationship that lasts, that lasts for a lifetime. It's like a family now. Mm. And what's, how many kids do you take at once? Uh, the last time we had about, um, we had 15 young adults and three adults. 18 people at once? Yes. <laughs> wow, you are brave. <laughs> and so for, for 18, 18 people, sorry, carry on. No, it's actually very enjoyable. You really love it. You just, you know, it's it's so nice, especially when you see him. People have got different accents trying to understand one sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I know what that's like, like from working in the tourism industry. Um, I used to do, uh, I used to teach survival courses in uh, Vic Falls, and our maximum cutoff was 12 participants. And if there was 12, it was a lot to handle. And there were three instructors doing those 12 participants. It wasn't like just me. So it's a, uh, it's a hell of a, a hell of a big uh, commitment with eighteen people. So, when you when you take a group like that, do you is the age split? Do you try and book similar age groups together on on specific trips, or do you mix it up completely? I mix up completely. The older ones look after the younger ones. It's like a family. It makes perfect sense. So that you're creating that 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 uh, real responsibility between each other and the com community. That's very cool. Yeah. And and from a facilitation point of view, do you go alone with them, or do you have uh, do you have other people helping you with the with the whole thing? Actually, I've got a parent that I always go with because what happened? This parent, this he she had a child. She for my first trip, she had a child that was really going off the rail. So and this child was really young. So instead of me taking all the responsibility. We went together with the chat with the parent. So then the parent became um, became part of the became part of the. Wow. Oh my gosh! I don't know what I do here. Sorry. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So the parent became part of the program. So I go with her every time because she actually enjoyed it more than the child because. <laughs> uh, and it was actually an eye-opener for her that sometimes it's always we talk about the kids, but also sometimes it's the parents that really need to change on how they they handle the parenting and how they handle things. So yeah. she became part of the program. So every time I go, I go with the parents. I see. Um, Trav Noki is asking a question that I was going to ask as well. He's saying, uh, yeah. do you have a set agenda when you get here or is there an element of free time for them? Reason for asking is I do quite a bit of work in the bush installing solar pumps, etc., for rural communities. Might be interesting for them to come on a job to see how the rural folk live, laugh, and love despite our country's woes. No, we, we do. We actually when we get we when we get to Zimbabwe, we have got places that we go. They actually go to the village and spend time in the village and actually do the, the what a, an African child do. Wake up in the morning. Go and fetch water, look for, for, for firewood, cook in the heart, and do exactly how another child 
walk leave it's like taking a walk in someone's life it's all like experiencing the other side of life so we do go to the villages we go go to the orphanages we go also to the game parks we do a lot of things we really it's a full it's a pack it's a package so which area are you operating in for that then are you going back to chivu for that or whereabouts no actually we go to different like for example if there's somebody that i really know that comes from here um like they are born in zimbabwe and they live in zimbabwe they can act they can say okay can you come to our village and um if i research and find that the village is comfortable people they're safe and everything we go to that village but normally we go from here and we go to mandarin because in mandarin i've got a project that i do with the young adults there and with women so we go there we've got a land where we are um, we are putting up um a, a women's hospital so we go there and they actually go into the fields they do so the people in that village they understand that we come and actually help in the village and we also go to the orphanages as well okay great that's cool so on the on the wildlife side of things when you go into the game parks as, as the, which game parks are you going operating in oh we actually our, our it's not sort of like a treat because you know how uh, how the western children really love animals <laughs> mm. and we go to victoria falls that's sort of our last part of the trip we go to yeah. victoria falls they do the games they do they do rafting and then we go to the game park around victoria falls and um, the last time we actually went into the bush and we went, I can't remember the name of the place where they actually had to see animals come at night and uh, like sunset and they have to drink water and oh, it was really beautiful. And we had, a, we had sort of a campfire there. It was really nice. Oh, wow. Sounds great. So we've got another comment from uh, Vusa, a friend of mine from Vic Falls. He says, yeah. no pressure. Just checking what's the sustainability plan for this program because most of the time such great initiatives die away when the initiator loses capacity to keep it running. That's a good point. But yeah. Uh, it is. yeah. So um, do you have anything to respond to that? Yeah. Um, what I normally do when I take the young adults, we keep in touch. And also we, we, we focus on saying, okay, we're going to the next, we're going with us to the next um, assignment. So most of the young adults that we take, they really want to go back and they help in the fundraising, they help in whatever way. And they actually, uh, because they know each other from their groups, they know who are people who are struggling. Like the last time we went, we took a young adult from the UK. Yeah, friend had committed, committed suicide. And they're only 17. And then we went back. We they went back, and then she, they, another of your friend, committed uh, committed suicide as well. So she wrote to me and said, you know, Ruth, I had not gone to be with people that are that had committed suicide, but the trip was such an eye opener that there's actual life and there's actually joy and there's actually peace in the other side of the world. So um, when you go next time, I've got two friends that I really want them to be on the program. So that's how the program grows. And it's not growing because of me, but it's growing because of the young adults that have gone to the trip that want to keep it alive. 
But and from a point of view of uh, facilitators and stuff, are you training somebody to take over from you eventually, or you? How is that gonna look? Yes, what I um um it's it's an organization, so it doesn't really belong to me. So what I do is the people that I'm taking are the ones that I'll take over. Okay, cool. Oh, that's very interesting. And from the from a boots on the ground perspective, so you're traveling from Australia and with the with the guests and meeting them in Zimbabwe, or you travel together to Zimbabwe. The one the group that comes from here, we travel together. We get from here together. We have per, we have um, Sharon, the other the mother that I was talking about. Mm -hmm. So if I I'm if I'm in Zimbabwe that time, Sharon comes with the with the young adults. Um, yeah. Oh, that's cool. back, Sharon comes with the young adults back. And so then, so so from okay, so the two of you travel together with the with the group, and then from yeah. the boots on the ground perspective, what happens when you arrive? How, where do you? Where's your first port of call when you arrive in in Zimbabwe? We have uh, in Zimbabwe. I've got a registered organization, charity organization called Ruth Passive Foundation, which uh -huh. actually has people that work in that uh, in that foundation. So those are the people that sort of greet us and then we start the program by doing things like we empower the young adults and we empower women and the girls. And also we work a lot with um, uh, people that live with albinism. We focus a lot mm -hmm. on people that live with albinism. For, so for, for the, at the moment we have the, the people that live with albinism that will sort of come in and take over. We've got a center in Butu where we are actually building, where people with albinism can actually go and and um, have a respite or they can do some things. We are working on where we, they can do some crafts work or do a lot of things. So those are the people that when we get to the, when we get to Zimbabwe, they reach us and they start, they work with the program. Oh, I see. And and so where does everybody stay from, from a, like just from a practical point of view? Where does everybody stay once they arrive? Uh, they stay in um, in um, Bankit, where there's a farm there. That's where we go there and we stay there. Ah. And then we operate from that farm to other areas. Oh, cool. That's amazing. And so so from a blow-by-blow -blow point of view, can you, can you run us through like one of the previous programs, how you did it on a day-to-day? -day? So like a day one, day two, day three, sort of plan so that we can get a, a very good idea of how it all works. Okay, so we we, we, we travel from here to to Zimbabwe, which is quite a long trip. So when once we get into Zimbabwe, we go straight to the farm where we have one date of resting so people can adjust with the times and the zone. And then on day two, there are schools around that area that we go to that we work with that um, like for example the one school um that is around uh, the area they they have they don't have classrooms they only have got one big hall where they the form one the form two form three form four they they learn in one one room so we go with the young adults there they find out how other people are learning in schools that they are busy running away from school yeah and they've got all the facilities here but these ones are actually busy running to school, but they don't have facilities. And four teachers can teach in one, um, uh, four teachers can one room 
teaching all different grades and there's all sorts of noise. For so for them, it's such actually a, a wake up call that, okay, education is very important. They've been running away from school. They don't want to hear anything about school. So why, that's one big thing. And then we go to a primary school where young adults travel to about five to 10 kilometers coming to school with no shoes, nothing on. So they spend a day there actually helping the young adults. We put them in classes where they can actually help. They can feel how to be, how to be like a teacher or in, in a rural setting in Zimbabwe. And then um, we, we spend about two days there doing that. And then we go from there, we go to an orphanage where they spent two to three days on the orphanage, actually feeding the kids, cooking for the kids, helping out in whatever way they can. And like the orphanage that we go to, it's in Goromonzi, it's such a small place. And there are about more than hundred kids there who are all, mostly are all under five. And they oh, wow. this, yeah, they spend time in a very, in a small, small room. They don't have, you know, it's like really, so they help out, the last time they help out to, build a chicken run so they can actually put the chickens in so they can actually survive and um and then after that we go to we have uh, we go to a center called rural rehabilitation center where people um with disabilities so we go there they spend time people will be playing uh, basketball but some of these people are disabled so they sort of mingle with them and understand their lives how they're living so they actually become friends because there's a school there. And then we that we just spend a day or so. So we make probably we, sometimes we do we do a dance competitions, we do things so they can actually understand. And then we go to a village in Mandarin where they spend about three days there as well, and where they can actually live a life and they live in the village, they sleep on the floor. They wake up in the morning, they go to look for firewood, they cook on the fire, they go in the bush, they just do the exactly the exactly the African child, the real, the real life, you know, without mm -hmm. having all these gadgets around them. And they actually really enjoy it. They go to the bowl and fetch water. And that water, it becomes so precious because they that's the water they're gonna drink, that's the water they're gonna use for cooking, that's water, and all those things. And then um and we'll go in the cities as well. They find out the city life, how the city life is, and they mingle in the city. They find out, okay, they just, they do shopping. That's when they do their shopping. And then from there, we, we drive from, um, we, from Arare to Victoria Falls. So the journey is quite long. And um, normally we use um, the normal, um, we hire the, more, the combi buses, we call them combi. So they get there, they're crammed up, they're sitting there, their legs, you know, all, all sorts of things that are real, that actually, you know, <clears throat> that actually is like, they, they, the vehicle will be safe, but it's not as safe as they think that they it's like here. So those are all experiences that they actually, you know, and then we spend time at the Victoria Falls, then we, we come back here after, after or we have, we have a two day review on how they felt, and how it how was it from the first day they got to Zimbabwe and the last day they come back? What what changes them? What what do they realize? How most of them they break down. They don't want to come back because mm -hmm. one they realize that there is life without having all these gadgets. There is life that people are always happy. They've got nothing on their table. 
and also we actually have it how how the street kids share things even though they don't have any they can also do things so um and then we yeah and then we what else do we do oh they go they go fishing sometimes we have a day where there's just a break day where they do what they want to do and they also reflect on their lives they write down how what they've done how it has changed them and what they benefit and and what are the downfalls of the program as well how can they improve it how can they do well, we also spend time in the Zambezi River. We have dinner in the Zambezi River. We have the sunset there. It's just beautiful. I love that one and because it's really, really nice. And also when we're in Victoria Falls, most of them, they love, they like doing the, the, lion, the lion walk or the, I can't remember the name they call it, or lion in the morning or something like that. Walk with the lions. They feed the, they feed the elephants. So it's quite an, an intense program. Wow. And uh, I would be very interested to hear if what 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 uh, advice of improvement some of them have given you. Have you had any feedback for what improvements you can make on it? Yes, we have. We have. When they want um, they want to spend more time in the village. That's one oh, thing wow. that I, yeah, they want to spend more time in the village. They also want to um, when they go to the orphanage. They also want to have time with the kids, get to know the children, because it's like we, we don't really have that much time. And with the food they eat, we they have their own foods, because, but they also try to eat the food that we have there. We cook there, the sada and the vegetables. But by the time we come back, most of them will be eating sada. They love it. So, mm. yeah. So they, um, And also, they also want when we go there, we actually have actually educational uh ways where we can actually where they can actually be taught with some young adults in Zimbabwe on how to survive in these hard times and how do they cope without having the internet all, all the time. So they actually want to have more time to mingle with people that are of their age and how they are coping. And yet they can't, you know, for example, we went to this school, uh, the school that I was talking about, where they learned the four of them, the four classes in one room. So um, we said, okay, let's let's have a dance, and then the people in the the young adults in Zimbabwe they started just saying boom, 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 and there was a rhythm, and they started dancing, you know. And then we said to the guys that we came with, now it's your turn. They started looking for phones. Where is this music? Where is this? They wanted the phone. They wanted the music, but these guys could actually dance without music. And these guys that came from here, they couldn't dance. You know, with, with that music, they wanted the Facebook. It was so funny that, you know, they were actually, for them, it was actually a surprise that, oh, okay, people can actually dance with that music, you know? Yeah, it's amazing. Um, I hope that uh, one of the meals you feed them is uh, my favorite meal from home, uh, Madora. <laughs> if you try them, I don't I don't like Madora as well. <laughs> I'm sorry. <You> like <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> That's, that's one of my favorite foods on the planet. I, I used to eat that almost every single day. Oh, no way. I can't. I, oh, my daughter, no way. They they try. They try everything. In um, in in When we went, the last time we went to Bikita, there's this beetle. I don't know what it's called, but it's a beetle. It's like, a, they, call, they call them harurwa, but okay. I, they could eat them. I could not eat that beetle. It was a beetle. <laughs> 
For those watching who don't know, my daughter is a, a caterpillar that's about that big. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's the larvae of an emperor moth. It's um, a mapani worm. And uh, it used to be one of my favorite meals, just to uh, fry them up and eat them like popcorn when I watch movies. But, um, <laughs> but they, they're like, you, you eat them, they're like, they've got sand inside them. You can't chew them. They've got no, sand. You can. I think I think I better cook them for you one day because it sounds like someone didn't cook them nicely. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try. I'll do my best to convert you to to my favorite meal. Yeah, but I'm a bit weird because I, I even eat grasshoppers and other things here in in the UK. Uh, so. I, I, I can eat grasshoppers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a comment from Nicola. She says, "Ruth, in schools these days, when young people display bad behavior." Detentions are by means of writing lines or other punishment focused on young people's dislikes and weaknesses within the educational field. What are your takes on how schools can improve personal growth when these acts are usually occurring for a deeper reason? I think she means the misbehaviors happening for a, a deeper reason. How could schools support young people when a punishable action has been undertaken rather than focusing time on their weaknesses? What message could you give to teachers anywhere to help and empower their students instead of create a hub of negativity? Okay, I, I always feel that when a child is misbehaving, there is something deeper that is behind the child. It's either the child is very inquisitive and they want to find, because I was, I was in, if I grew up here, I would have been an ADHD child. Sorry, go to the top of the just before you, before you uh, continue, I just want to qualify your answer to the audience. Ruth has got seven children. <laughs> and um, so what she's about to embark, uh, the, the, the topic she's about to embark upon is coming with great wisdom and great experience. So listen carefully. <laughs> <laughs> and, teen, I, I, and teenagers as well. So you know yeah. what it means when teenagers lie to you. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so um, I, I I believe that when a child means I, I grew up as a very, very inquisitive child. I'll go on the top of the roof, I'll climb trees, I'll do all sorts of things because I was very I, I had so much energy. But um because in a country where I grew up, where if a child plays, it's okay. Here, when a child plays, there's something wrong with a child. Why are they why do they have too much energy? Why can't they sit still? But um, all those things, so when a child misbehaves, it's actually you have to track back what is causing the child to misbehave. Is it because the child has got so much energy that it needs to be channeled in a different manner? Maybe that child needs to play tennis, maybe that child needs to run, maybe that child needs to exercise that energy out. So by the time the child is just sitting and watching TV or doing things, they really get bored in class. They can't settle. They can do so. Their their mind is always constantly thinking. So, as a parent or as a teacher, you need to find something that challenges that mind that is constantly thinking of doing something. So, detention and writing lines does not challenge a child. It just makes a child just copy and write and copy and write. That's why they don't really they don't really care whether they're going to be. So it's good to sit down with the child and find what is actually driving that child to do whatever they're doing. Or even if, to, are they bored with it? Are they not coping with the education system? Are they not coping with life, life at home? Are they not coping? And then instead of being so negative that you need to, all these psychologists, they need all those people 
people around them and you want to find out a problem, find out what they really like doing and focus on the things that they love doing and who they are. We need to discover who they are as a person, not as a not as a community, but who they are, so they can, you can actually get to the core of the problem. Because, like for example, I've got um, uh, like what Paul said, seven young adults, seven kids. One doesn't even like reading; they don't. And I, as a parent, I discovered that oh no, two of them, they just cannot finish an assignment. So if you take them to to school. And you say, okay, I want you to finish this. They won't finish it. So they will end up doing things that they don't like doing. So you need to discover what they really like doing. And one of them is a dancer. They just love dancing. So put the energy in their dancing. See that they can dance as much as they want. And you find that instead of all those things that we sort of come and say, we need to detain them, we need to do this, put the energy on something that is positive. Mm, absolutely. I agree with you totally. Um, so <laughs> a couple of other comments. We've got Vusa from Vic Falls saying uh, he loves Madora. And uh, he says the, <laughs> the Hururua is like a stink bug of sorts, he thinks. So yeah. I don't, I've, I've, never, I've never tried them. I'm keen, though. I would, I'd be very interested in trying them maybe when my next visit home. Um, Any Dawson saying, coming in late here, great job, Ruth. How are the trips funded? All personally by participants or funded by social organizations in Australia? Do you do outreach for grants to support the funding, etc.? cetera? Uh, I've never really done um, for grants, but people have actually seen the program. And some of them will say, like companies will say, okay, we'll pay for two, three, for two children. We'll, we'll pay for their trips coming back and forth. And it's all and it's all like functions and we do dinners anything we sell chocolates anything that we can actually get to have them the planes the flights paid for and accommodation and activities because the children that i normally take they're coming from hard backgrounds as well they don't really have much they some of them have never been on a plane so some of them so it will be like the first trip and it's it's quite amazing when you see them uh, really enjoying their first trip and it's an international trip and yeah so we get the funding from well wishes so from companies that um, that believe in what we are doing that's how we get funded we so, haven't really gone to front. so tell us a bit about your uber driving thing then because it wasn't that another another channel that you were using to to raise money yeah i'm an uber driver so for me, uh, I don't know whom I gave an Uber to, but uh, all I know is that they asked me why I was driving, and I told them that you know what, I I I've seen a young a lot of young adults here that I take some of them to Africa where they really don't have anything, but most of them are not depressed; they're actually happy. So by by talking on what I do as a driver and why I was the reason why I was driving. Uh, it ended up that we had um, we I um, I picked up somebody from Uber and then they actually referred me to the um, to the Uber in the in this in the states and they actually funded and we I went together with the Uber people to Zimbabwe and they are the ones that took that video because of the passion that they they thought it was such a great program because of the young adults here who commit suicide that are so many. And some of them, they just, it's, uh, 
it's just um, a perspective of life and they can see that oh it's actually you don't you can actually live and be happy with nothing you know so you said uh, that a lot of your candidates come from hard backgrounds how do you how how do you do the selection process how do you choose who goes and how and how do you, how does that work Oh, like what I said, and oh, the other thing as well, I, I'm a Rotarian as well. So the Rotarians, they also help me to do my programs when I'm doing like dinners, they help me out. I'm, um, I'm a Rotarian. Um, what was your question again? Sorry. How do, you select, how do you select the candidates that are going to go on the trip? And oh, how okay, you... okay, okay. What I've done with Sharon, Sharon is the one that actually goes in that process of selecting. But most of the children that we're taking, right, the young adults we're taking now are referred by their friends. Because when we take a child that is struggling in life and they are in a, when we come back, he's got a set of group that he gets along with that also struggling. So they know each other. So whilst we are there in Zimbabwe, we ask them, how did you find the program? Whom do you think can benefit from this program? Like, for example, I was telling you the, lady, the young adult from the UK who said, um, um she had two of your friends that she knew that were also they were suffering from depression and they were not happy so mm. those are sort of the targets now we say okay we had with this we went to this child but she's got two friends that are struggling and she benefited so she becomes a positive impact on their friends and then the friends come along with us so it's a program that of they are referring each other because of the needs that they know they have in their community Mm. I see. Now that's a good way. It's quite an organic system then, and that uh, I think that way it gets to the people that need it the most. Yeah. Um, you got another one from Annie Dawson. I think there is uh, so much potential in terms of this being an alternative therapy for depression, behavioral issues, etc. Excellent. Wishing you all the very best. So that's great support, guys. Um, if you've got any more questions, please drop them in because we are. Start, we are now at the 45 minute mark, which means we've got roughly 15 minutes left. Um, so chuck your questions and now get your comments in because we'll address as many of those as we can. We try not to make this go over an hour because uh, it gets a bit long. Also, I'm sure Ruth is dying to get back, back to bed. It's almost 4 a.m. there, <laughs> having woken up at 2.30 to join us. Um, so yeah, drop your questions in there. We appreciate every single one of them, every comment. Is, uh, is is valid so um so you've also you you seem to be quite dynamic Ruth, on on various levels because you recently you added me to your your business group meetings on mondays tell us about yeah. that and what's what what's behind that um what i've noticed that um in most of the people that come from africa the struggle is in supporting one another um, something and for, for for a person to to succeed they need another person to support them so we normally normally if i look back from zimbabwe we have people that have run businesses like when we're growing up the bus like the bus um companies once the person dies the business dies well we've got mm. in the western countries where we have, for example, we've got Londro, or we've got Dunlop, or we've got all those companies. The, pe the people that started those companies, 
are long gone, but it's still running. So mm. we, I thought we need that in, uh, in the African community that um, Paul, you run your business. I am the one that supports you to keep the business running, you know? Be mm. So we need to teach each other on how to support each other in business and how to grow our businesses. So that if I have a weakness, you pick up on my weakness, you support me. Instead of me concentrating on the weakness, I'll concentrate on my strength. And then you help me to grow as, uh, as a team. So that's how I, um, that's why I started this African theater business barbecue because I call it business barbecue because most of the Africans, they love eating. They love everything <laughs> to do. It's, it's about meat. It's about food. <laughs> so um, when you say networking, they think, oh, what's that? But when you talk about food, they come together. <clears throat> they, you know how you barbecue, Paul, you know how you barbecue your sausages, you know how you put your, your Madora, that thing, you know, you were, look, you were talking about Madora within, we were talking about something else, but you put in the food, you put in the Madora because you like, so it's something that was really common in Africa. And um, I take it from the concept called Nimbe. I don't know if you know that. When in, in the olden days, when people were actually uh, harvesting or they're plowing, what they used to do is that they would go to one person's, um, to one person's place and the whole village would actually help that person to do the, the, to the plowing, the planting, until everything is done. And then it's like a network, until the, the field is done and they'll be eating, they'll be dancing, they'll be doing a lot of things so that that person can have a bamba harvest. So if for us to have bamba harvest in our businesses in Africa, we need to do that. We need to go back to that concept of working together as a team and growing our businesses. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this really resonates with me in a lot of ways because my personal uh, ethos that I've tried to work with over, I don't know, the last 10, 10 years or so is I believe that my own success hinges on the on the fact that I facilitate the success of others. So I believe firmly in the, in the success comes to those who facilitate the success of others. And as long as you're helping to to facilitate other people's successes, your success happens automatically as a result. That's one of the big things that's that's very important to me. And um, and uh, yeah, I really like the concept of the business barbecue. Uh, <laughs> you're right about the food thing. It doesn't take long before we start talking about food. And if you look at uh, Cesar, a friend of mine, Cesar, and a previous guest on the show, he's saying, great discussion and thanks for the heads up, Ruth. I love barbecue, definitely a great catchment there. So, so yeah, for sure, he's uh, he's in agreement with that fully. But yeah, so that whole thing of uh, being supportive. I read a book. I was very very um, fortunate enough. A few years ago, I had a, a, a sort of a mentorship type mentor type uh, person that helped me a lot in my early years of uh, of trying to be a businessman. And um, he gave me a book to read called Co-optition which is uh, something that you might be interested in and anybody watching might be interested in. But basically the concept of co-optition was uh, cooperation through competition and that you don't always have to be adversarial in your approach to business. There's a lot, of, there's a lot to be said about creating cooperation even between your competition and yourself um, to create win-win situations wherever possible rather than always looking for a win and a lose. And um, yep. The, the book gives amazing, massive corporate type of examples on how co-optition can work. 
Um, I can't remember right now. I should probably re relook at that book. But um, it always stayed in the back of my head that that the first prize is always to create a win-win and a relationship, even with my competition, where we can both benefit. Because at the end of the day, there's plenty of cake to go around. But if we're all fighting over the same piece of cake, the rest of the cake just goes to goes to rot. So I think that's a that's an amazing concept. And thank you for adding me to that uh, to that group. I'm I'm looking forward to the next meeting. Well, thank you so much. And you actually um, empower us as well. What you were saying that day, it was actually like, it's amazing on the things that you're doing. And, um, you know, just to know that you're doing so much and you can actually be, actually, we can actually benefit more in the group than what you think, because there's a lot that people can learn from you. Well, um, there's a lot I can learn from everybody as well. So it's, uh, again, it's that whole situation of, I mean, the, there's the old um, the old uh, African proverb. I don't know which country it comes from, but it's one of my favorites as well that says, uh, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. So, so I think it's that's... Uh... Oh, is it from Kenya? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't see any more comments coming through. Um, so I'm going to ask you the, the last question. That um, oh here we go here's Rosie's just come through hi Rosie uh, Rosie saying uh, yes that's true and sometimes people struggle because they feel so alone I always reach out to my Zimbabwean sisters uh, when I feel down or need moral support Zimbabwean women are so strong and so wise I'm not sure the context of the comment because I think she might have logged on late so this might be a comment coming through from previously in the she's she's probably watching from the beginning. And uh, so commenting on something like this. Uh, Andrew. Andrew's a good friend of mine from Bulawayo, currently living in Botswana. The challenge we have in our generation is that we see someone else's cake bigger than our own and don't know where we got this attitude. We, are, we are adopt the challenge of keeping up with the Joneses and forget to practice Ubuntu, which is correct for sure. Um, it's the grass is greener approach as well, where you're always looking at the other cake and not satisfied with your cake. And I think an even better analogy would be uh, that you are so busy strangling your mealies and uh, wishing they were as big as your neighbors without, uh, without watering them and waiting for them to grow at the end of the day, isn't it? So the trick is to, to keep watering those mealies and use the neighbor's mealies as a, as a motivation to, to, to realize that the, at the end of the day, yours will be the same if you keep watering. Yeah, right. true. And, and, also not, and also the other thing that is, as much as as a country, we go through a lot of um, things that are going around right now. We're, let's not focus on the negative. Let's focus on the on the beautiful things that Zimbabwe has and the beautiful people that we have, you know, and um, work together as a team. We, mm. um, we, we, as long as you're born in Africa, your parents are from Africa, you're an African, doesn't matter what the color, what color you are. And if we get to get to know that concept that you and me are brothers and we can actually work together and build our own village, you know, it's 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 amazing because um, you find that we migrate to these countries, right? And um, we end up being the same, we end up being again a class of people that are from Zimbabwe. It doesn't matter whether you're Indian or colored or white. We end up because we we have the roots of being an African. And that does not go away. And sometimes you find that we have got sense, a lot of sense of humor, you know, 
especially, I mean, <laughs> when you get to a place you're working there, it's either you're very loud or you're very happy, or there's something that is very different from the people that you're working with. And you can actually feel it yourself, you know, and say, oh, okay. And then you meet up with other Zimbabweans, regardless that they're white or black or whatever. You start loud, we start talking about, and you're so loud. And, you know, you know, my kids, they call me, oh, mom, you're so loud. Oh, mom, you're so loud. I said, nah. <laughs> and then we meet up with other, other, other Zimbabweans. I've got a sister that I call my sister from the other mother. She's as loud as me, you know. And we meet, we just start laughing. Why? Because this is our nature. We are happy people. Africans naturally are happy people because of the environment that we grew up in. It's an environment of just not taking life so serious and mm. not overthinking. Even if we don't have things, it's still okay. We can still, you can still jock at a funeral. You can still dance at a funeral. You can still, you can still jock in so many ways, you know. There's so many yeah. things that um, we can actually focus on as Africans to rebuild our African nation together and like Lyle as iron sharpens iron. We can sharpen one another and we can be actually as happy as. Absolutely, I agree. We've got a comment from a friend of yours that you introduced me to. It's uh, Mabel Munyumani. It says, love your work, oh. Ruth. Having worked in mental health, this is so needed. Um, your work should be rolled out as therapy and a resilience building program in schools. So for for other people who don't know, uh, Mabel has written a book, and I think it's about to be published. Um, mm -hmm. so at some stage, she's probably going to be a guest on this uh, show as well, and we'll be chatting about the book after I've read it. Um, and yeah, so looking forward to that. Thanks for coming and joining us, Mabel. Then Tanya Lopes. Ruth, you just spoke a lot of uh, truth with your last comment about how Zimbos are missing home. <laughs> let's go to the, when we go to the next trip, let's go together and have a party there. You know how we love parties. <laughs> you, better, you better be taking me on one of these trips soon. Oh, yes. I think you'll be actually a great person to take on because you've actually done a lot of things in the Victoria Falls. And when we take the young adults to Victoria Falls, it's just like a new world to them. It's the real life, you know yeah they just, they just get so immense in that they love it they you know they you can actually you know the good part of this program is you come with a child that is not happy who doesn't who doesn't really joke around we come back with a child that is out there doing things self-confidence self-esteem and really doing things believing in themselves you know one parent asked me what did you do to my daughter I said, I didn't do anything. She says, you know, she 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 never wanted to go to school. Now she goes to school. She's actually finished the program and she's now gone back to the community to help the young adults that are depressed. And how amazing is that when a child doesn't want to go to school, stays in the park, the school thinks that she's just and she's just nothing. And now come, becomes the one of the people that are actually helping the community with young adults that people don't really understand them, what they're going through, you know. Mm. Life on, on the Facebook, life on TV is not life, it's fake. Mm. As a child, they don't, their mind doesn't grow. You want your child, your mind to grow. Let them fall. It's okay. They, don't, they, won't, they won't die. They won't have skills, you know. <laughs> Let them, you know, there's so many things that they learn that we are, we are actually overprotecting them, but actually 
um, uh, helping them to get into depression because we are always protect, we are overprotecting them, you know. So when they go there, they find, oh, okay, you can actually live a life without that too much protection, too much guidance, too much. Let them work it out themselves. Absolutely, um, and uh, I think. I know definitely from the, the previous work I've done with groups and stuff, the transformative process where you see the actual transformation from day one to, to the last day, it's just, it's the most rewarding and an incredible thing to see how someone entered a program and walked out of it, like almost completely transformed is, is amazing. And so, that's, that's one of the things that drives me that uh, I go with a child that is depressed. I come back with a young adult that is full of life. To me, is the success. It's amazing. Well, we're coming up on the hour now, so I just want to ask you one more question. And that question to leave everybody with is: What is the message that you want to, like, uh, what is the message you want to leave everybody with today? And what is the, what is the the legacy you would like to leave the planet with when you one day depart? Um. Uh, the legacy that I really want to leave is about empathy. Let's have empathy with one another. When someone is going through hard times, depression, anxiety, it's real. And let's take a hand and walk together with them. Take a walk in their shoes and walk with them. And also with the young adults, let's help them to discover themselves by just giving them support in whatever they really want to do and and let them explore themselves and find out exactly who they are it makes it much much easier for them so empathy is my word let's have empathy on one another that's beautiful thank you um andrew has got something to say saying being african doesn't have to be about uh of a particular skin tone as as an african yeah. Uh, Paul is my brother from another mother, and I believe he encapsulates what it means to be an African more than I do. I will never disown my heritage, but I do appreciate the work and exposure Paul has given us, not only as Zimbabweans, but as African children of the soil. Paul may not be in Africa, but I know without a doubt where his heart calls home. Exposing our children to the values and treasures of the motherland should be a priority. I'm yet to meet yeah. a child who came to visit Zimbabwe and not go back with epic stories to tell of his beautiful country. Wow, Andrew, thank you very much for that. That's that's amazingly kind words coming out of your mouth. And uh, thank you so much, mate. That's, you're going to make me cry if you carry on like that. Um, I wanted to ask you, Ruth, how often do your kids get to see home? Well, they do. Because my, my, my youngest is 18. So my actually my other three, Doreen and the twins, they actually had a trip, a one-year trip where they went to actually volunteer in Kenya for a month and oh, wow. in Zambia, and they traveled to 15 countries. So they do, wow. yes. So, yes, they do go to Africa quite often. They love, they love getting, going home. And for them, they grew up here, but um, the experience that they gained, especially in helping out in, in Kenya, it was amazing. And you know, it's like, oh, it's an eye-opener for them. They travel. They actually traveled quite quite a bit by themselves, which is quite good because it gives them a bit of wisdom. <laughs> and, do, and do your kids all speak Shona? 
Um, they try, they understand, but uh, their Shona is broken. It's a, it's like a broken Shona. But... <laughs> <laughs> which Shona do you but speak? I... Is it Zezuru but... or which Shona do you speak? Is it Zezuru? Zezuru. Okay. Cool. Zezuru. Shona, Shona. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. but I don't speak to them in English. I actually speak to them in Shona. So they do understand. But when they answer you back, sometimes you can see that it's a British Shona. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's part of it, isn't it? You'll probably yeah. find as they get older, they'll be more interested in, in, in uh, trying to, to adopt it more, isn't it? No, they actually have. They now actually, because when they were growing up, they didn't really like listening to, because there were, they were they had so many friends that are Australian. So they didn't really like listening to the Chimbetus, the what what. Now they actually Google Shona songs and dance to them because they love dancing. And they say, okay. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Okay. So Tanya says, uh, very impressed with this kid program. Very inspiring. Good job letting people know about this, Paul and Ruth. Very powerful things you. Uh, you are doing. Thank you, Tanya. That's That's very kind of you. And uh, Andrew says, uh, Ruth, you're a team player and amazing soul. Um, so that's great. Right. I think we're going to wrap it there. We've just hit 61 minutes. I think, um, you know, before you go, Paul, I was thinking yeah. that next time, instead of doing the interview on me, the young idols that we took, we are in the UK, that you can actually do the interview with. They can tell sure. about the program more than me because they walked the walk. You know, that's a great idea. If you put me in touch, yeah. no problem. I'll be happy to to chat uh, to chat with, to anybody from the program. Yes, yes. I think there'll be. I, I think to actually benefit a lot more parents in the UK or in the states or here that if you talk to the the young adults that went because they can actually talk about what they experienced, how they loved it, and how the downfall of it, and how the uh, the benefits of it more than me. Yeah, that'll be great. Um, will uh, will you put um, will you send me some links to to your program and to whatever, and then I will put them in the comment section of this video so everyone can access it and see more about it as well. Okay, that'll be great. But uh, otherwise, we're going to wrap it up there. Thank you, everybody, for watching and getting involved and uh, speaking with us. Um, we do this every Wednesday, seven p.m. CAT, six p.m. BST. And uh, every Wednesday, I have a new guest lined up. I have guests and shows lined up from now until the 9th of September. So if you uh, know anybody who's interested and wants to get involved and wants to be uh, on the roster, let them know. And I am taking bookings from the 9th of September onwards. So any Wednesday after the 9th of September is still open. Um, but they're closing up quickly. So, so yeah. <laughs> Bring them out. Let me know who wants to be involved. I think next week we've got a very interesting guest from the uh, United States. He's a TV producer that I worked with on uh, The Amazing Race, and um, he's produced uh, various things. I'm, I'm going to say Survivor and Naked and Afraid, but I, I might be lying. <laughs> but uh, I'll give you all the details and post them in the in the in the groups. If you are, if you like this this content and everything, please join the Facebook group Soshing with Sunkwe. There we're gonna, you can discuss things more. You can get involved in the conversation, discuss amongst yourselves. You'll be the first ones to know when um, when the next show is coming on. Um, it'll also give you reminders to know when to to be uh, online at uh, at 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. There'll be extra content here and there, and uh, I really want to create a nice 
community that is not afraid to talk about difficult subjects. I want to have a nice community that shows empathy towards each other and has civilized debates um, where we can talk about the hard things without getting um, without getting heated and really try and understand each other and work through things and and get some uh, some real good topics going. So every couple of weeks I do a panel discussion like I did last week. So most of the most of the shows are one-on-one -on -one guests, but sometimes we do a panel discussion. And uh, yeah, if you want to know more about me, if you haven't heard about me before, or where I am, just check out my Facebook page, check out my YouTube channel. You can look at find me on everything at at Raw Teasdale, R A W Teasdale, um, or just search for Paul Teasdale on any platform, and you should be able to find me. Uh, Ruth, thank you so much for taking this time out and waking up in the middle of the night. And uh, uh, your dedication is incredible. Your uh, your heart is incredible. Your you're a, you're a breath of fresh air and a light in the darkness. So thank you so much for, for everything you do and for being with us today. All right. Thank you, Paul. I'm just looking forward for you to cook my daughter for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a deal. I'll cook them for you when we go on the trip together. All right. Okay, then. <laughs> thank yeah. you. Good night. Good Bye. night. Good night.